Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. It is so good to see you all this morning. Do you realize how loved you are? Have you really looked in the mirror and said, wow, how special I am? Yeah. There's something very special about being reminded of the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of the love of God for you. For you, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. It is so good uh, to be here this morning. I am uh, thrilled uh, to be uh, running the second lap uh, in this uh, three-lap race. Thank you, Dr. Wayne, for uh, kicking us off last Sunday morning with revealing to us the Father. This morning, I want to pick up uh, where we left off last week and talk to you a few moments about Jesus Christ. That's it? That's all. Everybody standing, please, everybody standing. Read with me what's on the screen. These words, ready, read. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son. I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ, the cure for every crisis. Bow your heads, please, let's pray. Father, we are grateful this morning that uh, you have graced us with your presence. Woke us up early this morning, brought us here safely, put air on our lungs, and met us here to not only enjoy your presence, but to grow more in love with the one who loves us most, Jesus, who is our Christ. I pray your blessing, God, upon your people. God, these are your people. They're the sheep of your pasture. They need to have connection with you this morning. We pray that you will do in their lives what only you can take credit for. I pray, God, that the seed of your word, the seed of your word, will be so implanted on the inside of them as you are already on the inside of them, but I pray that they will become pregnant, that some saint will become so pregnant from the seed of your word planted on the inside of them that they will go and make another disciple. We believe in the reproduction process, and God, we're asking that you would help us now, Holy Spirit. We give you praise and we give you glory now for what you're going to do to draw us closer to you, Jesus. Help us to turn our eyes upon you, we pray, in Jesus' name, and the people of God said amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. So good to have you here this morning. I want to turn your attention to the passage that is up on the screen. It is from the Gospel of Luke. Let me just read the first portion of it, and then I want, to, want you to join me on the last part of it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed or bruised, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now you join me in reading this potion. Ready? Read. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. It is my prayer that you will fix your eyes on Jesus this morning, not just this morning, but when you walk out of this building and you're paying attention where your next stop is, where your next assignment is, that you keep your focus on Jesus Christ. Now, we're all facing challenges, we're all facing situations, but I believe God says to us clearly, just glance at your situation and then gaze at Jesus Christ. 
Let me go over this side. Just glance at, just glance at it, but fix your gaze on Jesus Christ. I, I say that because, yeah, that's a good place to give God praise. We are living in a time in our history where there's such chaos, calamity, depravity, violence, war. If you're not careful, you'll begin to see the circumstances and the situations bigger than the Word of God. There's nothing bigger than God's Word, nothing greater than Jesus Christ. So we need to view everything that we're facing through the lenses of the one who has everything under control. And so when we talk about fixing our gaze on Jesus Christ, the Bible says, as Jesus was being born in Matthew 1, 21, she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. And the last part of that verse that we read to you at the beginning, the Bible says, all eyes were fixed on him. In Jesus' inaugural address, in his public announcement, the Bible says that it was his custom to go to the synagogue. What does that mean? In the original language, it simply means that Jesus went to church. Yeah. The Bible says, as was his custom. So I want to thank all of you for making it your custom to come, to fellowship, to be taught, to be trained, to grow, to make sure that the focus of our attention is not to have our mindset least on the last thing that Jesus said. The last thing that Jesus says was go and make disciples of all nations. Let's make sure that the last thing he said is not the least thing that we pay attention to. When we, yeah, that's a good place to give God praise. I am more convinced the longer I live that God wants us to intentionally focus on reproduction. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. John 3, 17 says this, Jesus came not to condemn the world, nor to destroy men's lives. So in his inaugural address, he gave six reasons why he came. Here they are. Number one, to preach the gospel to the poor. Number two, to heal the brokenhearted. Number three, to proclaim deliverance and release to the captives. Number four, to give recovering of sight to the blind. That's both spiritual sight as well as natural sight. To set at liberty those who are bruised. And then number six, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The question was asked Jesus in John chapter 6, verse 29, what shall we do to work the works of God? Jesus replied, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. John eleven forty 40 says this, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe in me, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. The Bible says all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I know you believe. See, I, I, know, you, I know you believe. Because when you walked in here this morning, I was sitting right over there in that corner. Where's the usher at? Is she still there? Beautiful woman from Africa somewhere. Anyway, 
I said, right now, I was just watching, you know, and praying and observing. I didn't see one person who walked in and did this. Let me check this chair before I sit down. Is the screen all right? Let me see. No, 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 no. Every person that I saw, the reason I'm convinced that you believe is because you just sat down. You were convinced that the chair that you sit in was going to hold you up. Yeah, I see the look in your eye. I'm just about convinced that you believe. Not only am I convinced that you believe, I believe that when you get on that airplane, San Jose Airport, Sacramento Airport, Oakland Airport, I don't know which airport you fly out of, but you've never met the pilot of that plane. But you believe by the time you bought your ticket and they take you through that little scanning thing before they say you can get on, on board, you know, you take your seat. And you are convinced that that seat that you sit in is going to hold you up not just at takeoff, but up 20, 30 miles, 1,000, 20, 30 miles, 30,000, right? At least that high in the air, that same seat that you're sitting in is going to hold you. Listen, beloved, you may have never met the pilot of that plane, but because you believe, you know that the one who made that pilot and the one who made that plane is with you in that seat. Help me, somebody. With Jesus on board, you don't have to be concerned about the turbulence. You don't have to be concerned as to whether you're going to reach your destination because in Christ, even if the flight goes down, absent from the body, present with the Lord, I pass from death to life. So no matter where I am, whether I'm in the air or on the ground, it's going to be a safe landing. Who is this? Who is this Jesus? Who is this? Who is this Jesus? When we really take a look at Jesus, we come to understand that he says if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Titus chapter 2 says this, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem from every lawless deed every uncured crisis and purify for himself his own special people. Look at your neighbor and say this, I'm special. Now, you may not believe it, but you are. Uh, now, now, back where I'm from, I'm from the South, they say, you special. Grandma say, boy, you special. <laughs> you are special because God made you that way. Nobody else like you on the planet. You are so special to God that he says he wants to purify you for his own special people zealous for good works. This is why we put our faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you come to understand, watch this, purity touched pollution. I was polluted. Jesus was not concerned or worried about putting his hand on a leper or putting his hand on a sick person. He put his hand on me. He put his hand on you. He touched me and made me whole. Purity touched pollution. Not only did purity touch pollution, but salvation touched sin. My sin was so great. The Bible says that Jesus became sin for us and cured our crisis, cured our deadly disease. This is why I put my faith in Jesus Christ. He won't fail.
I want you to catch something here. The psalmist says in the 14th number and the 53rd number, watch what I'm about to say here now. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But you've got to study the original Hebrew. Here's the way it's rendered in the original Hebrew. The actual Hebrew rendition is this. The fool has said in his heart, no to God. I'm begging of you this morning, don't say no to God. Don't say no to Jesus. Say yes, Lord, yes. Yes to your will, yes to your way, yes to your word, yes to today. You will take care of me no matter the crisis I face. I know, Jesus, you are the cure for every crisis. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. Who is this biblical Jesus? He is the mo most unique person in history. His longest journey was less than 100 miles, yet he's known all over the world. He never had a formal education, yet he taught with authority. He never went to medical school, yet he is known as the great physician. He still makes house calls. Pastor Robert, we know that when you went through that surgery, we knew that Dr. Jesus was there helping those doctors and helping those nurses. We just want you to know that we've been praying for you. We know you're going to come back better than what you ever were. Why? Because the great physician was in that room and he is the cure for every crisis. Who is this Jesus? He is the creative Christ. He created all things. He is the cross-eyed Christ. From the time he was born, he had his eyes on the cross because he knew that I would need him. Not only is he the creative Christ and the cross-eyed Christ, he's the counseling Christ. He's the mighty counselor. You need some counseling? Uh, go to the one that you recommended. Make sure that he's highly recommended. But always see Jesus. Go to the mighty counselor. He's not only the creative Christ, the cross-eyed Christ, the counseling Christ, he's also the compassionate Christ. The Bible says he looked out on the crowd and had compassion on them. He's not only the creative Christ, the cross-eyed Christ, the counseling Christ, the compassionate Christ, he's also the crucified Christ. He was crucified for you. He was crucified for me. He hung there on that cross. Love kept him there. Not only is he the creative Christ, the cross-eyed Christ, the counseling Christ, the compassionate Christ, the crucified Christ, he is the conquering Christ. Oh yes, he's the conquering Christ. He's conquered all of his foes. He's conquered death, hell, and the grave. All because of you. When you consider who Jesus really is, we come to understand, watch this now, all our improvement in knowledge, research, technology, and wealth has not provided a remedy or a cure for the human crisis of loneliness, disease, depravity, or death. In massive numbers, in massive numbers, massive numbers of cases, we're treating symptoms without getting at the root. When we allow Jesus to get at the root, Every one of us are infected with the same disease. He's better than Roto-Rooter. He'll root it out. He'll get it out and make you a new person. He will put the right stuff on the inside of you who is himself 
Christ in you, the hope of glory, and when he gets at the root, you will bear different fruit. He'll help you to get rid of the fruit flies. You know how flies like to hang around when fruits get. When the bananas, you kept them too long, if you keep them too long, they turn colors. Well, the fruit that he produces by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit will never change colors, but he will change you. That's what he does. He will produce in you the kind of fruit that lasts. Why? Because not only are you connected with the vine, he has gotten at the root cause of your disease. My sin separated me from God. My sin was so great, but the love of God was greater. His love was greater than my sin. His love found me where I was. He is the cure for every crisis. We couldn't go to where Jesus was so he came outside to where we were. He came outside of heaven to where you are. Jesus was born outside. He was baptized outside. He taught outside. He performed miracles outside. He ascended outside and he's coming back outside. I don't know how you see it, but when I grew up in the South, we had outdoor toilets. We didn't have no sewer system. We had to go outside to use the bathroom. I'm so glad when it was dark and the flies were flying around, I wasn't there alone. Jesus was outside. And wherever you go, inside or outside, he's promised he's with you. He's there, seated with you. He's there reminding you that no matter the crisis, he is the cure. He's coming again outside. There's a word when you consider where Jesus was left alone seemingly by those who betrayed him, who crucified him, his closest friends, those who said that they would be with him. He died between two thieves and used a borrowed tomb because he knew that he wouldn't need it for long. And John 1.29 says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They thought that he was there by himself. Even when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was not forsaken. God just could not look at the weight of my sin, the wrath of my sin. And for a split moment, it seemed like he was there left alone. But I stand here to remind you, beloved, no matter the situation you're in, you're never alone. You're never alone. Your enemy might think that you're alone. They might think that you're alone, but you are never alone. He is there. He's there. In a world that's hurting, Jesus is indeed the cure for every crisis. Every emotional, relational, financial, social, physical, political, he is the cure for every crisis. Make sure that you turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. In the face of depravity, in the face of immorality, in the face of hypocrisy, 
in the face of affluency, in the face of injustice, in the face of indifference, in the face of idolatry, Jesus is the cure for every crisis. I don't care what's happening in the world. You have the cure. You have the one, greater one on the inside of you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yes, the world seems like it's going crazy, but Jesus is still seated. He's seated right there in the heavens. He doesn't worry about what's happening in politics, in government. He's seated right there, beloved, reminding you that no matter your crisis, he's the cure. Watch this, how is I, well, I, I'm, I'm about to make a turn now. We're about 30,000 miles up. I need to come home for a safe landing. There's a Latin word. It is the word invictus. I'm not trying to impress you that I know some big words, it's just. <laughs> My wife gets on me all the time. She says, does it take all that? We're trained to make sure that we can bring it off the shelf so that you can chew it and then make sure that you're able to feed yourself. So this Latin word invictus, it simply means undefeated. This word invictus simply means unconquerable. This word invictus simply means victorious. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is your invictus. He is your invictus. He is your invictus. He is your victory. He is your cure. He is your answer. So when we come to understand that Jesus our Savior, Jesus, our Lord, Jesus, our baptizer with the Holy Ghost, Jesus, our soon coming King. He says, I want you to make sure that you're looking for me, for Jesus. I want to make sure that you are longing for me. He's coming back for those who are longing for him. I want you to make sure that you are learning from him. He said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And then you want to make sure that you're leaning on him. The old folk used to say, he's my leaning post. He's my kickstand. I don't know how you see it, but uh, when Bill Withers wrote the song, Lean On Me, I knew he had one thing in mind, but I serve a Jesus who said, you can lean on me. I won't fail you. I won't fall. I won't get too tired. You're not too tall. You can lean on me. When you face the crisis, lean on me. When you face trouble, lean on me. When you face disappointment, lean on me. He'll put some God in your stride. He'll put some pep in your step. He'll put you on the right ship and get you to step lean. Oh, I feel like leaning. Yes, I do. He said, lean on me. Learn from me. Look for me. Long for me. How do I believe? Here's how. Remember when I said earlier, I know you believe. I'm just about convinced now that you believe you're sitting there. You didn't check that chair. You know you didn't. Here's how we describe the word believe. It's so simple. If you're not careful, you can allow your circumstances to get bigger than your belief. What Jesus is saying is rest all of your weight on the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
Quit struggling and striving and trying to live the Christian life on your own. You can't do it. Nobody ever has. We have all failed. We have all missed a mark. But I guarantee you, beloved, when you depend on the Holy Spirit, when you lean on Jesus, when you let him live Christ in you, the hope of glory, you can walk with your head up. You can walk with some pep in your step. You can walk knowing that he's living his life through me. It's his righteousness, not mine. I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. So, when we believe, we rest all of our weight on his finished work. He finished so you can get started. In fact, he said this, he who began a good work in you will complete it and finish it until the day of the coming of Jesus Christ. He's coming back and when he comes back, he's looking for those who are leaning on him, who are looking for him, who are loving him and loving people. Don't tell me you love God and you don't love people. You got to love folk who look like me. Help me somebody. My wife is not the only one. Is my wife in this room somewhere? I know I hear her mouth, but I don't see her face. Oh, okay. I know at least one person on this planet loves me. She knows everything about me, and she still, she still loves me. Yeah. That's the kind of partner you really need. And so, beloved, when you consider this word believe, he's saying put all your weight on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you can get rid of the frustration. You can get off the yo-yo. You can get off the merry-go-round and walk like somebody that has some sense. Talk like somebody that has some sense. Look like somebody that has some sense. Pull your pants up and stop letting your pants drag down. Walk in the house like you respect somebody. All right, I'm gonna get back on track, Patrick. You know how they say, you know, stop preaching and went to meddling. Right, let me stop meddling. Let me turn this message towards home so we can get our son up here. When we gather, beloved, when we fix our gaze upon Jesus Christ, when we see him as the cure for every crisis, we come to understand that the author and the finisher of our faith is our loving high priest. He's seated. Wherever you are, beloved, you're not alone. When you were in that trouble, when you were in that crisis, how do you think you got through it? He pulled you out. He picked you up. He turned you around. He washed you off. He never rejected you. He never turned you away. He never condemned you. He never, he, he's the God who says, I love you so much, I'll never condemn you. I'll never throw you away. You are of value to God. Why? Because he made you. And so beloved, he is our loving high priest. Not only is he our loving high priest, he is our living blessed hope. I'm ready to die, but I'm ready to live. He is our living Blessed hope. He is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And then he's our lasting solid rock. He's our loving high priest. He's our living blessed hope. And he's our lasting solid rock. So when we come to Jesus, the cure for every crisis, we come remembering him. We come repenting of our sin and forsaking our sin. We come being reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. We come rejoicing in victory 
We come in invictus. So we stop blaming, we stop complaining, and we stop thinking, and we stop praising. In Acts chapter 8, verse 35, 37, 39, the Bible says these words. Then Philip opened his mouth, just like Jesus did in his inaugural address. He opened his mouth and began at the same scripture, same book, Isaiah, and he began to preach to him Jesus. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe, there it is the creed, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. After believing and being baptized, the Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible says, he went his way rejoicing. My friends, I stand here to tell you that he'll turn your sorrow into joy. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. He'll turn your disappointment into victory. If you cast your care upon him, he'll take it and cure it for his glory. He went away rejoicing. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you may ask or think to the only wise God, Jesus Christ, be glory, power, dominion, and majesty both now and forever. He's the cure now. He's the cure yesterday. He's the cure today. He's the cure for every crisis. This great physician who offers you your cure for your situation, he extends three invitations. The first one, he says, come to me and rest. Away with your frustration. Away with trying to control the outcome. Come and rest. Whether you're in business class, first class, coach, wherever your seat is on the plane, even if they put you in the baggage session. You know how folks they say, put me in your luggage, let me go with you. No. Wherever you are on that plane, he is seated with you. But he said, don't just sit, recline. Let the seat back. Get your cup of coffee or your cup of Java, whatever y'all call it, or Jamaican, I don't know what they call it in Jamaica, but you get whatever and, 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 and let the seat back and, and, and it's time for you to relax. It's time for you to be refreshed. It's time for you to revive. He says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Beloved, it's time for you to rest. Rest your mind, rest your body, stop striving, rest your emotions. Come on, it's time for you to look like you're rested. Don't show up at work tomorrow looking like you're all beat down and beat up. Show up tomorrow and make sure they see rest in your face, rest in your soul, rest in your mind, rest in your body. Show up! Because he shows up in you, he says, come and rest. And then he says, follow me. Follow me? Follow me, Jesus says, into discipleship. You are a disciple. You need to help invest in making another disciple. That's why we believe in the reproduction process. We want to make sure that the last thing Jesus said is not the least thing we give attention to. Go and make disciples of all nations. He says, come and find rest. Come follow me into discipleship. And then the last invitation, he said, abide. Remain in me because you're going to face some crisis. You're going to face some difficulty. 
If you walk close enough with me, you're going to be persecuted just like I was. You're going to be misunderstood just like I was. You're going to be rejected by something just like I was. When you stop cussing and drinking and hanging out at the booty club and the bop club or wherever you used to go, some of your friends are going to say, well, you ain't down for it no more. They're going to say, well, you're going on. Listen, let them go. And while they're going, you pray for them. And remember that that's where you once were. Jesus says, don't forget. See, some of us forget where we come from. But for the grace of God, I stand here this morning. But for the grace of God, I stand here this morning. Everybody standing, please, everybody standing. You're here this morning. And you've heard Jesus say to you clearly that he is your cure for the crisis that you face. The Bible says, in the book of Acts, around verse 35, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The devil hates you because he knows he's lost another one. He knows he can't go where you're going. And so he's going to do everything to frustrate you. But beloved, you have invictus. You have victory over him. And the Bible says in Luke 10, 19, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace, there is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. There's a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. Beloved, you've heard him say clearly now, I love you so much. I don't want you facing your crisis alone. I want to remind you that I love you so much, I love you through the crisis. Even if you stumble in it, I'll pick you up. Others might pass by and leave you know, I'll be there to pick you back up again. If you're here this morning, you want to say to Jesus Christ, Jesus, I believe. I put all my weight on what you accomplished at Calvary. I trust in you. You are the reason that I live and move and have my being. Lord, I want to start today a fresh relationship with you. And if that's you and you want to be included in my closing prayer, all I want you to do, if you want to say yes to Jesus this morning, if you want to say yes, I believe Jesus that you died and rose again. I believe that you're the cure for my sin. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you are Jesus the Christ. I confess you with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Jesus Christ. If you want to pray that prayer with this poor preacher here this morning and join this August team of people who love you beyond yourself, all I'm going to ask you to do is raise your right hand. I'm not going to ask you to come down the aisle and shake my hand. It's not my hand you need. You need his hand. So if you want to raise your right hand, you want to be included in my closing prayer. Just raise, yes, I see it. Yeah, I see it. All, yes, I see it. My God. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my God, too many to, yes, 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 all over this building, yes, 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 yes. I say yes, Lord, yes, to your will, to your way, I say yes, Lord, yes, it's your word, I will obey. And when your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes. Lord, yes. Father, every hand that was raised, you created these hands. I pray, Holy Spirit, now that you would seal each one. 
And they, they will come and be taught to be trained in righteousness, to be equipped, to feed themselves, to go back out and invest in another soul to make another disciple. God, I thank you for every hand raised here in this building. You promised us that you were going to do something special this morning and you've done beyond our expectations. We pause now, God, to say thank you. We pause now to say we give you glory. And as you have sealed each hand that has been raised, I thank you, God, that not only are you the cure, but as they walk out of this building here this morning, you walk with them. I pray it and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, as you put your hands down, I made a mistake almost in the first service. I almost said, my son is coming. But my wife, y'all don't know my wife like I do. She says, she ain't, he ain't just your son, he's our son. See, you have to watch these Jamaican folk. They come over and they try to take over. You know, you marry them and, and now she's telling me to quit, right? But I want you to welcome our son as he comes to close this message. Irvin, praise team, come and close this. my firm foundation the rock on which I stand when everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad cause I put my faith in Jesus he's never let me down he's faithful through change So why would he fail now? He won't. He won't. Oh, he won't fail. He won't fail. Christ is my Come on, Khadija, if you believe that tonight, come on, I need to... Oh, 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you let Bishop know how much you appreciate his word today? Bishop, come on out here. We got such a great team here at Cathedral of Faith, and he'll be driving. He oversees our Reaching Out Food program, and so he's going to be driving all of the generosity that will happen for the distribution of food during this December season. Thank you so much for all that you do, Bishop. And a couple quick things before I dismiss you. Um, if you need prayer, please come up after service. We'd love to pray with you and for you. If you haven't seen the history, uh, immersive experience in the chapel, I encourage you to go by, do that. And Healing Grove is also out in the lobby. And then Wednesday night, we always, we've done this for years. We've got our Thanksgiving Eve family uh, cathedral service. And so if you'd like to come out, if you're in town, Wednesday night, we'll have a special communion service, giving God thanks. If you're not able to make it out Wednesday night, I wanna wish each each person, each family that's here today, I pray that Thanksgiving will be an amazing Thanksgiving for you. Make sure you give thanks to God, amen? Nothing's more important than a heart of gratitude. Bishop, come speak the blessing over us. The Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. May God be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Beloved, you go with God because God goes with you. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.